Welcome back, folks, to the Lewis Lee Podcast. I am your host, Alex Lewis. My guest for you today is Joe Goodman, the sports columnist for Alabama Media Group, AL.com, slash the Birmingham News. And he's also the former beat writer uh, for the Miami Herald, covering the Miami Heat. So he covered LeBron's tenure there. We talked about the, the decision 3.0. We also discussed Tua versus Jalen in the Alabama quarterback battle. And a story he wrote about my hometown in Birmingham, Alabama. So I think you'll find it interesting. It was a very fun conversation. Um, but before we get to that, I have to talk about Michael Porter Jr. Because I I mean, I always have to talk about Michael Porter Jr., right? If you don't know, Michael Porter was a freshman at Missouri last year, a freshman forward, six foot ten. He could shoot the three. Basketball player, yes. He's a projected lottery pick in 2018 NBA draft. He had surgery before last year's season. I guess actually two minutes into the season, he was hurt. Um, It was deemed a hip injury, later deemed a back injury. He received second opinion from doctors and underwent a microdiscectomy surgery um, that, that kept him out most of the year. He returned for two games, was not his real self. A lot of question marks surrounding this guy, especially with news that has come recently. So we're taping this Friday on Thursday. Porter canceled a workout. Um, His agent told teams that that he suffered a little bit of soreness in his hip, which kind of brought me back to the initial injury, which was interesting. In a report by ESPN's Jonathan Gavoni, Supposedly, Porter couldn't get out of bed, which, I mean, if I'm a team picking the lottery, gives me a lot of um, pause. But you know what? I mean, it's, it's it was crazy to see this news, and then supposedly he had an MRI, and it seemed that he was clear, and then they rescheduled the workout that was initially canceled for today, and it will be mainly for teams to bring their own medical staffs for 15 to 20 minutes and kind of evaluate Porter. So... <laughs> I don't know how this will turn out for Porter. Hopefully at some point the headlines will become something that deals with on the court as opposed to off the court stuff. I mean, it feels like we've been talking about this guy for, I at least have been talking about this guy for a year now. And and, and it seems like he's yet to really make me talk about something that deals with something he's done on the court. So I hope for beat writers that ultimately cover this guy, he does that. Like I said, I mean, I if I'm a team picking in the lottery, regardless of, of what the medicals actually look like, I would just have so much pause with everything that has surrounded this guy. I mean, there have been talks that he was a bad teammate, and I want to I want to clarify that. I mean, as a as a beat writer covered Missouri this past year, I didn't see any of that. Was it probably difficult for teammates when he came back at the end of last year? Yeah, of course. But I also think his coming back gave Missouri a chance the only chance that they would have had to, to win in the NCAA tournament. Um, he's a high-volume shooter, a guy that has not passed the ball too much. He's a guy that has question marks on the defensive end with his size. I think I've said since day one, if his health checks out, he's a top-end guy and a guy I would take a risk on in the lottery. But, man, these injuries continue to give me pause. So, I mean, the draft's in a week. If he can't get out of bed the week before the NBA draft, it's quite interesting. But we'll see. Um, I mean, we'll definitely see what happens. And I think it'll be fascinating. Everything that seems to happen around this guy will be fascinating. So 
time will tell kind of um, what ends up happening. Again, I, I appreciate you listening. You can find this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, drop me any questions you want answered that we'll do on the podcast at, on Twitter at Alec underscore Lewis. Go read my story from this past week for Yahoo Sports um, relating to the black culture surrounding soccer with the World Cup underway. But without further ado, um, and I think you'll enjoy this, let's jump into the conversation with Joe Goodman of Alabama Media Group. So, Joe, I appreciate you uh, appreciate you coming on. We're taping this Friday morning. It's much earlier here in L.A. than it is in Birmingham, but it's probably a lot less humid, I would imagine. <laughs> oh, man, great weather here, as always. <laughs> you just got to cut You got to cut through it this time of year. 100%. Um. Okay, so I know I know Alabama football kind of takes precedence with everything there, but I'm sorry to the people that read and listen to you on a daily basis. I want to start with LeBron because I feel like I, I mean I, it is my podcast, so I get to choose. He's played 15 years in this league in the NBA. Um, he just got swept in the finals by the Golden State Warriors. What did you? I mean, you're a guy who covered this covered him for his tenure in Miami. What did you make of of this past year? To begin with, LeBron, LeBron was never better this year than he has been. And that that means a lot because he's the best player that's ever played the game. So the <laughs> best player that has ever played the game of basketball was better than he has ever been, and he's 33 years old. And he's done that. By, it's no accident. It, it, you know, his regimen to prepare himself and prepare his body is something like I've never seen an athlete do. And that's the reason why he's still at a peak level right now. But he didn't have anyone around him. You know, the World Cup is starting right now. It's kind of like Portugal. They got Cristiano Ronaldo and then just a bunch of bombs. And that that was exactly the Cleveland Cavaliers in the postseason. Yeah, it's funny because, like, watching him play and then, like, the seeing the kind of narratives after. With the, what did you make of the of the him wearing the cast at the at the post game presser after game four? Weak! Oh my god, that was so weak. Yeah, <laughs> he does that stuff. He's the best man, but he he will lay on the drama when he can. Yeah. You know, he's always done some weird things after losing NBA Finals. Uh, back in 2011, uh, you know, it, when they were when they lost the Dallas Mavericks, I, I think they kind of knew it was over. There was some point after one of the games, I think it was, well, to begin with, game four, they could have gone up 3-1, and he, he scored like 11 points. It was like one of his worst playoff performances <laughs> yeah. ever. Then, like afterwards, he started him and Wade started making fun of Dirk Nowitzki because right. Nowitzki was sick. Anyway, Dallas went and won the series in Game Six at Miami. And then, yeah, in the post game press conference there in Miami, he, he, he <laughs> someone asked him about the loss, obviously, and he said, well, all y'all have pathetic lives. I'm still LeBron James or something like that. <laughs> so he kind of tends to freak, he kind of tends to freak out a little bit after losing the NBA Finals. He, uh, I think he, he went into a hole for about two months there, and um, he didn't come out for a while. 
Yeah, the cast thing is just so weird. That's LeBron. He'll do that. He'll lay on the drama. <laughs> For sure. I want to go back um, to when you first hopped on that beat. So that you covered the, the Heat and LeBron's tenure with the Heat for the Miami Herald. Um, and I believe you were covering Florida before that. I guess take me through the process of how you landed on that beat right at the time that LeBron James landed in South Beach. Yeah, so I'm from originally from Birmingham, Alabama. We'll yeah. just go through it all. Um, I went to UAB. Uh, when I graduated, I got a job covering preps for the Miami Herald. And I covered preps for two and a half years. And then when Tebow blew up, uh, they promoted me and moved me to Gainesville to cover the Gators. And so I covered the Tebow, uh, Joe Kim Noah, Billy Donovan, Urban Meyer Gators, which is pretty much the golden era of Florida athletics. For and sure. maybe, you know, one of the golden eras of the in SEC history. So that was incredible. Um, and then LeBron comes around. And they promote me again to, to be the beat writer covering covering the Miami Heat. And, uh, <laughs> you know, for a kid who grew up in, a, in Birmingham, Alabama, which is not the NBA's market. Okay? Not at all. Yeah, not at it all. Was a, uh, to, get dropped, to get dropped in on <laughs> the biggest story in NBA history uh, – you know, my head was spinning for three months. I mean, a good solid three months. And I remember one time in one press conference, uh, I think the the Heat had had just um, had just played like three games in four days or something. This was like the lockout. Uh, the first season of the Heat was shortened because of the lockout. Uh, right before that and they would cram a bunch of games together so Wade I asked Wade how tired he was and he was like he was like sleepy Joe how tired are you look at you you look awful he was like go get some sleep so <laughs> for like probably two years everyone on the beat called me sleepy Joe after that <laughs> it's funny yeah so I mean, it's funny I, so bef- so like I before interviews, just to be honest with the listeners, before interviews, I I, I write down like, yeah, I want to ask about this, want to talk about this. So I saw this on Reddit. I saw that. I think one you did like a Reddit Q and A, and you said that Wade called you Sleepy Joe Goodman. So my next question literally was, explain this to me. Why? Why? I guess he called you that. I, I mean, for a guy that hadn't covered the NBA, I mean, I can't imagine how difficult it was at first, but. I mean, I guess for you, like how much, how much did you learn quickly, and how much kind of did you have to, um, to su- oh my God. to succeed in uh, that market? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I had to just study so much basketball in the beginning. You know, basic stuff like pick and pop, and um, you know, the different things you can run off of uh, high pick and roll and. Um, just all of the intricacies of the NBA and, you know, all of the, uh, the economy of the NBA, mm-hmm. you know, it was, I didn't like, I didn't sleep. I just didn't sleep <laughs> and I didn't have a backup either. 
you know, usually on big major beats like that at, at big papers, there are two guys on the beat. Like, for example, in the Birmingham News or AL.com, we have three beat writers that cover <laughs> Alabama. Yeah. You know, which is genius because we could have five beat writers covering Alabama <laughs> and people would still devour all the content here. Of course. Uh, but at the Herald, it was just me. <laughs> and uh, it was... It was an experience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, talk about building experience quickly. That's how you do it. <laughs> yeah, be thrown on the biggest basketball beat there is. Um, especially right when Twitter's kind of like coming about too, right? Right. That was I was right in the in, really in the infancy of Twitter. Uh, and the NBA really pioneered um, in a lot of ways. I feel like the Twitter in NBA Twitter was. You know, they they kind of made for what it was, I feel like, because the Twitter community, uh, the NBA Twitter community has always been big. You know, the, the NBA has always been on the forefront of technology, more so than the NFL or MLB. Uh, so, yeah, Twitter was always big with the NBA. I think um, in this Reddit q and I also read that you, you traveled to China with the team, um, and I think we're... The, you were the only American reporter to be with the team there. I I mean I can't imagine how crazy that trip was. I think you said you went to you went to like a club or something with the team. I, I take yeah, me, take me great. take me through this. How does it? How did this happen? What was that like? Well, <laughs> Wade put me on uh, the VIP list to go with them with the entire team to a club in Shanghai. Uh, and it's like, you know, it's in the Bun district, which is like the really cool uh, expat district in Shanghai. And, you know, it's it's overlooking the river there. And then in the background is like the newer, uh, the newer downtown district in Shanghai that, you know, you see in all the pictures. Uh there was like thousands of like Chinese basketball fans trying to break through the doors. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was a suffocating night. It was, it was just, it was incredible. So, um, yeah, I wrote a column about that. The thing about being the only American to go halfway around the world to cover the biggest team in, in professional sports at the time is, there were, and this kind of speaks to what journalism is now. Um, so I had all this exclusive access, okay? Right. And I would tweet it, okay? And then my competitor at the South Florida Sun Sentinel would take my tweets without attribution and just write blog posts like he was there. It's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> That's brutal. Yeah, yeah. Talk about, uh, man. So anyway, that's <laughs> yeah. A lot of that. Di- there was there were a lot of dynamics, you know, I in can, that trip. I but, can imagine. Uh, you know, I met a lot of Chinese journalists that I'm still friends with today. That's cool. Um, a lot of really cool people over there. Really nice people. And an incredible experience. It was great. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, LeBron goes over there. 
And, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of this is like promotional stuff for these guys because they they got sponsorship deals in China. And <laughs> LeBron goes to this event and, you know, he's just towering over all of these Chinese And it's a Dunkin' Donuts event, okay? <laughs> it's, always little, it's always little bitty kids and he's just like <laughs> this bigger, huge, larger black presence. And so they, they decide to, for this event to have a competition, like, between LeBron and the kids. So they have, like, Papa Shot, and then they have, uh, they, they get these little crowns, these plastic crowns, okay? Mm-hmm. And on the top of the, the, the crown, each little time on top of the crown, I don't know what you call the, the points on the crown, but they have little hollowed out things where you can put a Dunkin' Donuts donut hole, okay? So, they were, the competition was to use Chinese, uh, no, it was to use, um, what was it? It was to use chopsticks to put uh, Dunkin' Donut donut holes on top of the ground. Alright, so they, they go through Papa Shot first, and LeBron just, just buries this kid's soul in the ground. I mean, <laughs> no mercy. Kills this kid in Papa Shot. Like demoralizes this kid. I beat him. He beat him like three hundred two or something. And then, and then they go to the crown and they have the chopsticks. And like LeBron just kills all of these little kids <laughs> in the in the chopstick game. And so I wrote a column like LeBron even beat Chinese kids in chopsticks. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing um i'm curious because i mean like like you said you got to spend a lot of time with him off camera and and i guess like off the court what what's he like just as a guy when you're around him i think a lot of people can imagine and it seems like he pushes all the right buttons on and off the floor but like what what is he like as a guy from your angle and being with them like you were every day and kind of like your life kind of became him and, and this team during that era. So what what was he like? He's he's actually a really good guy. Um, accommodating, you know, a lot of that had to do maybe with the culture of the Miami Heat. Pat Riley uh, just demanded professionalism at all time. Um, but at the same time, LeBron has this personality. He's like a people pleaser. Okay, he, he that he wants to make people like him, and you know, I always found him to be easy to work with. And he didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of things because he was being pulled in so many different directions. But he would do one on ones with me, um, and you know, so I always, I always thought that uh, he was great to work with. Uh, and the work he does in the community is just amazing. Yeah, the high school he's starting this summer right. in Akron. Um, you know he's a pretty sincere guy. He's he does the right things. Is it? Where is he going? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I'm getting. I'm I'm get. I'm getting there. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Don't go there yet. Don't go there yet. We're we're gonna get there. 
Um, <laughs> a few more. We'll get there. Um, is it weird watching him play now? Like when, like since you're not covering him, I'm, you're in Birmingham now as a sports columnist. Do like, is it weird watching him play because you covered him and we're so close? I wouldn't say it's weird. I I know like his. I know like the guy's mannerisms and mm-hmm. you know when certain things happen, I'm, I'm always wondering like, well, that'd be interesting to ask him about after the game because. I kind of know, uh, you know, once you know a guy and you're around a guy enough and you interview him twice a day, then you know how to get to where you want to <laughs> yeah. get, you know, to get the answers that you need. Um, so, yeah, people like family members and friends, they like watching, they definitely are watching the NBA with me because, you know, I can give them uh, tips, inside information sure. on guys. Um and in Alabama, the NBA is still such a foreign thing. It's true. In a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> Do you miss it at all? Like, miss the daily grind of it? No. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I miss the NBA. Uh, but all that travel, uh, so much travel. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have I would like have 250 flight segments a year in Delta. <laughs> That's nuts. So um, I, I mean I don't really miss I don't really miss that because the first year I gained a lot of weight and the second season I had to I completely gave up eating meat wow. I became a vegetarian to uh, to kind of balance out the late nights and uh, you know no sleep getting sick all the time because you haven't slept and you're traveling and uh, but <clears throat> yeah I do miss the NBA yeah. Makes sense. All right, to the decision, I think this is 3.0. Um, I mean, I, I assume LeBron's on vacation, like, somewhere really nice right now that somehow, like, TMZ will somehow pick up or whatever. But what do you make of this decision? I, I, I mean, I, I people have talked about him coming out here to Los Angeles. He could stay in Cleveland. I mean, I don't know. I feel like every option's in play because he's a smart guy and he – I think you should check every option. What do you ha- what do you make of this? All right, a few things. So for my market, Colin Sexton has been projected re- most recently by the Sporting News to go to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that would lead me to just looking at that on face value and knowing without knowing anything, I, you you have to assume that he's not going to go to Cleveland. Now, I don't think he's going to Cleveland in any possible way. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with who the the Cavs draft, but I think it's kind of interesting that Colin might end up in Cleveland after LeBron leaves. Yeah, that is not a place I would want to be. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is not. <clears throat> I think personally, I'm going out on a limb, and I'm going to say New York, the New York Knicks. Okay, wow, probably not going to happen, but. <laughs> If LeBron wanted to make the biggest impact in that third act of his career, then you go to the biggest media market in the world and you try to turn that team around. Think about it. You don't got to get the Knicks to the – I mean, you don't have to win the final with the Knicks to be a, to be a legend. They haven't won the NBA championship since the late 70s. So all you got to do is win the Eastern Conference Finals and make it to the, to the finals, and, and you're set. I mean, he, the, 
the impact that it would have would be larger if LeBron took the Knicks, in my opinion, to the NBA Finals than it would be if he won it with Philly, okay? Mm. Or if, well, the Lakers is a different deal, but... Yeah, I was going to ask He's about not, the Lake. I was going to ask about the Lakers. I just don't see LeBron going and finishing his career with the Lakers. I just, I just don't see it. He's been in the Eastern Conference his entire career. I, I, I just don't see him going to LA. Makes sense. I um, know he's got a house there, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Every NBA player has has a house in LA. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. Trust me. I, I mean, like. So I've been here for two weeks, um, interning for Yahoo, and I, I'm like, people always bring that up. I'm like, do you, like you realize that? I mean, who would not want to want to have a house here with this weather? It's like that's my opinion as I'm walking around every day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you know, Philly would be great. Um, he would be around a bunch of dudes, and they would have a shot to knock off the Warriors. Maybe, maybe. But just go to New York. Go out and <laughs> go out in New York. I think it's the best best move for him long term. And LeBron's. Let's keep in mind LeBron's long term goal. All right, isn't to win all the championships he can. I mean that is the long term goal. But he's been to the finals eight years in a row. His legacy is cemented. All right, that's what I'm trying to say. He doesn't really have to build on on the number of championships he wins anymore, I don't think. What he his ultimate long term goal is to be an owner is to be an owner in the NBA. Right. That is his ultimate long term goal. And just being around him and knowing him. And what is going to get him to be to be an owner faster? In my opinion, it's all the money that he can make in New York. <laughs> fair. Very fair. Um and on top of that uh, the Knicks hired Fisdale. Okay? Right, right. And one of his guys, yeah. Fisdale, and why would they do that? Well, maybe it's because LeBron and LeBron's favorite coaches in the NBA is Fisdale. I, that was his guy in Miami. I mean, you know, David Fisdale's a great dude. LeBron loved him. LeBron hated it. I mean, he was so mad when Memphis fired him. Huh. So, it's that's a, something to keep in mind. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, I want to transition from uh, the greatness that is LeBron to uh, Alabama football. This is what consumes you probably on a daily basis because it's what consumes everyone there in Birmingham. Um, and, and the the Tua and Jalen question will come, so we'll, I'll get to that. But so I, I want to talk a little bit more about your background. So you're from Birmingham. You went to Shades Valley High School, which is near where I grew up in Mountain Brook. Um, I, when did you have, when did you, when, when did the sports writer thing come and play for you? Oh, when I went to college, when I, when I was at UAB, I, uh, you know, I was a big baseball player in high school. So, um, school was kind of not really a in academics and applying myself there was secondary to <laughs> baseball. Yeah. I had baseball consumed my life <clears throat> and um, several different things happened and I wasn't going to play baseball in college. So, uh, that's when I started to apply myself in school and, you know, I quickly discovered that I was really good at writing. And, um, so I went and I just, 
signed up and applied for a job at the student newspaper. And uh, the first assignment uh, that I was given by the news editor was to write a story about some research breakthrough in, in AIDS research at UAB. You know, UAB is a huge medical research center in the southeast. Yes. And <clears throat> so I did that, and they liked it. And uh, that, I mean, really, you know, I, I kept working there my entire career at, at uh, UAB until I graduated. I did other things. Uh, I was a freelancer for the Birmingham News covering high schools while I was in school. Uh, I did. <laughs> I, I wanted to be a writer so badly that I, I would drive every day an hour and a half up to Coleman and, and write for the Coleman Times. Wow. And uh, also the Jasper Daily Mountain Eagle. Um, wow. So those are some of the things that, that I did in college. Yeah. To, uh, you know, to learn the craft. Is there one thing, and this is kind of putting you on the spot, so I apologize, but that's what I do. Is there one thing you wish you knew then to prepare you for where you are now? Mm. I guess I just read more. Yeah, I, I read once I got in, once I was in school, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I majored in English. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I was constantly reading and I'm constantly reading now, but yeah, you know, when I was younger in high school, you know, before that wasn't, I really didn't read at all. When I read what I had to in high in school, you know, to for classes or whatever, but yeah, I think that's it. Probably read. It's a good one. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> it's not really a good one. You know, you don't have to. No, I think no, no. I think no. That sucks. That answer is awful. No, but give me something better. No, but it's funny because I was talking to someone last night actually, and we were talking about like oh Twitter and where it is now and streaming and it's like I mean when I guess when hopefully when I get that asked that question by some student in ten fifteen years, I mean I'm gonna the Twitter won't even examine. I'm gonna. My my answer is going to be ridiculous to that question. Reading is just something that will always be will always be important. So I do think it's a good answer. <laughs> um, I guess. All right. Well, I'll, I will say this. You know, I, w- I would have liked looking back to work for also work for the UAB radio and maybe done like a sports show or something uh, when I was in college because we had the. I just, I just had no time. You know, I had uh, a small child. I was also waiting tables. I had no time to to also do the radio thing. Um, but yeah, looking back, uh, something I wish I would have done is work for UAB Student Radio. Also, yeah. when I was working for the Kaleidoscope. Interesting. Um, I mean, you're, now you're the sports columnist in Birmingham, and and, and I mean it's. For you, probably kind of like a dream thing to be able to bounce around. I get how much pride do you take in in the job that you have right now. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's, like you said, it's, you know, I grew up reading the Birmingham News and uh, Kevin Skarbinski and um, you know all these great columnists from Birmingham, and <clears throat> you know that's what I always wanted to do, and to be able to now do it is amazing. It's a dream come true. Yeah. To Alabama, um, 
Tua Tagovailoa versus Jalen Hurts. Obviously, get it right, Lewis. What I what Tua I? Bailoa. Sorry, I'm sorry. I I I haven't been back in <laughs> I haven't been back in a while. I can't I can't be perfect. Um, I, obviously, I mean, it feels like everyone there. That's that's like all everyone cares about. I think like people wake up, they read the Birmingham News or they read AO.com. And that's what's probably on the front page of the sports section. And then they go listen to Jocks 94.5, and that's what they're talking about there. And then they then Feinbaum rolls around, and of course he's talking about it. <sighs> How do you it's think? The biggest, it's the biggest story in college football. Yeah. Not only is it the biggest story in Alabama right now, but it's also legitimately the biggest, most interesting uh story in college but what else is going on i mean <laughs> no, you got patterson up in michigan i mean that's cool but <laughs> I, it, hey this kid from hawaii came in in the second half and and threw this ridiculous touchdown pass and he might not be the starter next year <laughs> so quarterback battle is always going to be the big offseason story uh this is like nothing that i've ever really i've never seen a quarterback battle this intriguing it's it's fascinating how do you uh, how do you think it's going to shake out? I know that's putting you on the spot as well, but I I really have no idea, man. I don't I don't know how it's going to shake out. Um, I, I would say the fans love Tua. The fans think they know already, but <laughs> I, I know that there's more to it than that. So it's not decided. You know, I'm actually I'm actually it, I'm just going to do a podcast. You know, starting next week, probably leading up to the football season, every week I mean, it's just going to be about this quarterback battle. <laughs> and people, I mean, why not? No, that's what I, people want to listen to. Yeah, we talked about this recently. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's what that's what people there. It's what consumes their daily life. So why not give it? Give them something to, I guess, give them different ways to think about it on a on a weekly basis. I'm curious because you you've been around saving a lot. And and probably not like in a one-on-one setting, but just been around him, watched him, written about him in your time in Birmingham. What what has most impressed you about him, and or maybe what has jumped out the most in relation to him? How an old dude can stay on his top of his game, like how just an old <laughs> dude can keep doing it. Like <laughs> that's it. I mean, when you boil it down, that's the biggest thing I take away. I mean, everything he does is, uh, it's like he walks on water here. Um, but it's hard. He makes it look easy. What he does is hard, especially in the SEC. <laughs> I mean, he's got it going like no one else got it, no, had it going, and that includes Bear Bryant. It's true. It is very true. All right, I want to I wanna end-ish. Um, I hope that was enough Alabama talk for Bama fans. Like they might be mad at me. I'm probably gonna and all, we didn't even touch on Auburn, but I'm I kind of just want to see the reaction on that. That was, was well. Auburn might have Auburn probably has the best quarterback. Right, Stidham. You're right. You're right. You also you also said that Missouri might be your surprise team. I go to Missouri for for listeners here. I I, I don't I don't know why. What what is your thought process with that? They got a bunch of kids back. They got a great quarterback. Why? Why not? Why not Mizzou? Uh, why not LeBron in New York? Oh. Has Mizzou ever won the SEC East? Yeah, twice. 
Okay, then. So what's wrong with saying they might do it again? Uh, the secondary, but we, we don't, we don't need to, I, I, I do think Drew Locke will, will really impress people. And it's funny, Missouri comes to Tuscaloosa to play at Alabama, which will be a really interesting environment for Drew, I think, to kind of prove what a lot of people project might be a first round talent. Top Welcome to talent. seventh ring of hell, Drew Locke. <laughs> That's how it will go. Um. I want to end, and I, I, I mentioned it, I want to end on the story you wrote because it, it kind of, for me, hit really home. Um, it was titled Black Basketball, Families Find Equality Controversy in Mountain Brook. So full disclosure. For oh, the, here we go. Here we go. The Mountain Brook kids. Well, I, I, I no, I, let me explain. So full disclosure for the audience, Mountain Brook is my hometown. Um, it's a predominantly white suburb in Alabama, and I, it, that, like, majorly predominant. I in my high school graduate, and, and where am I from? Where am I from? Uh, Irondale. Right, right, Irondale. Yeah. So, and I say predominantly. Right <laughs> I say predominantly white, but literally, in my, I tell people all the time, my graduate. It's all white. Right, right. My graduating class of like three hundred and fifty had probably. Five, maybe five black students, which for me to, to realize now is just wild. But it's it's taken me a while to grow and kind of realize these things. In recent years, under um, Coach Bucky McMillan, he's a he's a young guy. Mountain Brook has become a basketball power on a team that for years was fixed with white students. Um, black students have moved to the city, and it started my. Oh, I believe sophomore year when Torin Grant moved from midfield, um, a downtown Birmingham city um, to, to Mountain Brook to attend the school and play for the team. W- one of the players now is Trenton Watford is one of the top players in the country for 2019. Joe, I mean, this was a story about kind of, it was about, uh, it was about perspectives. And I think it was about, I guess, where we are in 2018 as a, as a country. It was about as, a lot of different things. Yeah, You're right. It, it was, was about a lot of different things. Yeah, and, and for me, this was it hit home because this is a story I thought about a lot as Mountain Brook has kind of had this rise and, and certain things have happened. I mean, you've had these black families move in. How have they been viewed by other black families outside of Mountain Brook? And then how have they been viewed by white families in Mountain Brook? I, what for you, and it's it's impossible. This story, I think, made a lot of people think, made a lot of people open a lot of people's eyes, which I was proud of, and and I happy that you that you wrote the piece. What was your biggest takeaway, and and I guess for you in reporting that story, what kind of what did you learn? Mm, well, let's see. I learned a lot of different things. I learned that. This city is still extremely divided. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's probably um, an understatement. Not only, uh, yeah, it's divided by race, uh, but class, you know, is, is really the the biggest thing. Hundred um, percent. Because you know there are a lot of people who uh, have strong opinions about that story that you know aren't black. It's just um, white people in Birmingham. Yeah. You know who look who don't like Mountain Brook for whatever reason. You know jealousy. Um, you know whatever. Anyway, so I just learned a lot about the history of Birmingham. Reporting that piece, uh, I had a chance. 
to I've gotten a chance to know Diane McWhorter, which is a great honor for me. She's a Pulitzer Prize winner from Mountain Brook. Mm-hmm. She's written about the history of Birmingham. Um, but also at the same time, it's really it's it's a good thing. It's overall a positive thing that there are now black basketball players representing um, Mountain Brook High School, and you know that never would have happened before without Bucky McMillan. Um, so that's a good thing. It's a it's a net positive. Yeah, and I I, I would I would agree with you, and I, I mean I I think it's it's a it's a really fascinating dynamic um and it's and it's it's a very nuanced dynamic i think so the story kind of delves into those i i, I thought yeah there's so much nuance there uh it's such a segregated city mm-hmm. um birmingham you know it, i cited the npr statistic education statistic that like two of the top three segregated school districts in the country are in Birmingham. It's like Birmingham and Mount Brook and Birmingham and Vestavia Hills. Yeah. But even, even when you look at those two, uh, Mount Brook is so much more segregated. Yeah. It's not even um, as far as, you know, net income and those, those type of things. Uh, and that speaks to a lot of places in the country. Uh, you know, but ever since, uh, all the schools were integrated in Birmingham. They've been pulling themselves apart once again. And, you know, it feels like we're, we're more divided now than, I mean, I, I, we weren't alive back then. We, we only know through reading and historical research and things like that. But it feels like now every, we're more divided, you know, than we were since then. Yeah. Which is sad. Which is sad. Very. And I, I, this was kind of like my last question. We'll do a little rapid fire at the end. But, I mean, for me, it was like I've always thought in – I mean, I'm, I'm going to be a senior at the fall of Missouri, at Missouri. And it's like my perspective has changed so much since I left. And I'm assuming that for you it was kind of similar in a way. But you also grew up in a different – place than I do. No, I'm Irondale, man. We're worldly people. You <laughs> poster Mountain Brook people, don't, you know, you got to go out and experience. Irondale's in it every day. Well, that's a good, uh, see, see, so I'm appreciative that I did do that. I mean, I, 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 I always tell people, like, I didn't choose where I'm from, but I, I'm, a, I'm, I, I, <laughs> I'm thankful now that I, that I did leave and that I see things, I think, in a much different light, especially as it relates to Mount Brook. For you, and we touched on it earlier, but, like, to tell stories like that one um, about, about black basketball families in Mountain Brook, how, how much is that, like, stuff like that, why you wanted to return to Birmingham and, and, and oh, absolutely. That's absolutely the reason why I wanted to return to tell those stories. And you, I mean, you really have to be from here to understand that. Right. Right. I mean, someone can't just drop in and write that story, (laughs) you know? So it's really important. Um, as journalism changes, you know, that you have people who understand their communities and report, nuanced pieces from a local perspective. It's, it's really important. I agree with you. And I'm, I'm, really, I'm really honored that I've been able to come home and do that. 
Definitely. And I'm appreciative that you have too. I think a lot of people are. All right. A few rapid fires and we'll get you out of here so you can go write about Tua and Jalen. Um, I Favorite restaurant in Birmingham? Oh, man. You're putting me on the spot. Yeah, rapid with with fire. all these. Yeah. Oh, there's so many now. Yeah, it's like the like the secret food mecca of the United States. Yeah, it's, it, it's incredible. The food there is incredible. God. Well, you know, I am, if I had to pick one place to go, <laughs> okay, and I, I want all the people there with me, I want to have a good time. Yeah. I like Davenport's Pizza. It, like, and you're going to know what Davenport's is. No one else really is going to know. It's just a old 1950s pizza parlor. Um, yeah, it's a great place. I love it. But there are so many places in Birmingham. <laughs> it's so funny you said that. So when I was home <laughs> for two weeks, so I was home. Um, I had to leave school. I had mono. I've tweeted about it a lot. But I got really sick, had to come home. And <laughs> the, the first day back, I said, <laughs> I said, my, my throat was so swollen, I could barely swallow food. So I was like drinking water for my food for like days. I said, Mom, the first day I can swallow, I want Davenport's. I want the salad at Davenport's and I want a pizza from Davenport's. And I got, I think twice, maybe three times when I was home, one of my favorite places in the world. So that was, it's funny you said that. Great, Davenport's. It's like, because they cut the, the pizza in little tiny squares, so <laughs> yeah. you don't really know how much you're eating. Exactly. You can just keep going, but you're like, I have I had four real slices? Have I had like eight? I don't really know. The thing about that I love it, they have Miss Pac-Man there, and I oh, love yeah. Miss Pac-Man. So I can just like, and it's only a one quarter per play. <laughs> you can just plunk in your quarter. And you know, knock some five year old off the stool, beat it, kid, and <laughs> like LeBron style. <laughs> and just go to town. You know, I mean, I can get all the way past the banana board, all right, without even dying. I, I mean, I, I'm a Miss Pac Man freak, so I love Davenport pizza. All right, your favorite NBA trip um, when you were on the beat? Uh, well, like. This doesn't include international travel, right? Right, right, like right, right, right. City. Domestic, yeah, domestic. Portland, Portland, definitely. And I, I think most NBA beat writers will agree with that. Uh, Portland's a great trip. It's funny. Now, I had I had Darnell Mayberry on with the who covers the Bulls, and he said the same thing. What what, what about? What yeah, about? that's kind of like a. It's something NBA beat writers talk a lot about. You know, <laughs> of course. So we all kind of have this collective mind when it comes to like what's the best city, you know. But you know, before Darnell and I covered the NBA, uh, the old NBA beat writers really had it because. Uh, there was like that golden triangle of West Coast trips. You had Portland, Seattle, and Vancouver, and I mean that—that yeah, that was awesome. it, man. Yeah, that was that was probably the the heyday for NBA travel. That's awesome. All right, what book are you reading right now? Oh, uh, right now I'm reading a book called Manhattan Beach. Uh, it's just a time period novel. Um. By Jennifer Egan. She's a former Pulitzer Prize winner. Mm -hmm. uh, set in the 1940s uh, during World War II. Yeah, that's what I'm reading right now. Good stuff. 
And then lastly, <laughs> uh, who has the better fans, Alabama or Auburn? <laughs> <laughs> the better fans? Like, define better, okay? Because that's such a vague... Such a vague modifier. I'm just trying to get you. I'm just trying to get you in trouble. (laughs) Oh man! You know what? (laughs) Auburn has the better fans. Okay, (laughs) because Auburn, because Auburn appreciates everything they get. Alabama, Alabama fans at this point, they're just not appreciating it. I don't think. They need to have. They need to come to Jesus moment, Alabama fans. Okay, so So they can appreciate everything that's being given to them. So you're saying like they should. Rehire Mike Shula. <laughs> Maybe they should just have Mike come, like, you know, coach one game. Oh, no, they shouldn't. I hope they don't do that. Um, Joe, I, I can't thank you enough for the time. This was this was fun to do. I appreciate it. So what's your headline going to be? Your headline's going to be Joseph Goodman. Auburn fans are better. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's how we get them. That's how we bring the most people in. Clicks, baby. That's how you get the clicks. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Seriously, though, thank you. Thank you for the time, Joe. All right, Alex. See you, man. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Joe as much as I did. It was bold of him to answer the fan question, um, but I guess when you're a columnist, you gotta you gotta be bold in a sense. So we'll see how that goes over. Um, I want to clarify: Michael Porter did not have surgery before the season, as I said at the top. He uh, he had it weeks after he left the Iowa State game. Two minutes in, uh, I, I'm telling you, with this saga, the Michael Porter saga, and it has been one. You you slip up sometimes. So we'll see how how that plays out in, in close to a week's time ahead of the draft you can you can read comprehensive coverage at yahoo we'll have a draft show um there you can find me on twitter at alec underscore lewis you can find me on facebook and instagram at by alec lewis by alec lewis subscribe to this podcast and and rate it if you can we would appreciate that and with that i will say Peace. Enjoy the weekend wherever you are. I know it's hopefully probably not as good of weather as we have here in Los Angeles, but it's how it goes. That is how it goes. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening.